Praise God. Thank you. I actually have a teaching sheet for you today. Harkening back to the days of yesteryear. <laughs> As Nancy is uh, and Ken are helping. Thank you, Ken. Um, we want to especially say uh, happy Bastille Day to all of our French brothers and sisters. It's their uh, version of July 4th, Independence Day. I don't know what uh, Luke and Sylvie are doing to celebrate, but we bless them and we bless the great nation of France. This past Wednesday night, I spoke on something that the Lord very strongly put in my heart, upon my mind, and that was the distinguishing of the Spirit of God within us that abides with every human being all the days of their life. Without the breath of God, without His Spirit within, there would be no life in any human being. And um, at the end of our existence on earth, the Bible very clearly says that we give up the ghost, we give up the spirit, and um, it goes back to God. And when we're born again, that capacity of commune with God and knowledge of God that's in us comes alive in a new way. We're born again in spirit and in truth. And um, we shared a little bit this past Wednesday night about some of the passages of Scripture that speak into what it is that that deposit of God within us actually does. And um, the challenge with being a Christian is so often we just lump everything together. You know, we, we don't know the difference between the Spirit of God coming upon us or filling us. We don't know the difference between that and the Spirit within. We just kind of, anytime we read the Spirit, our minds just kind of go, Woo! and we, we, we don't even think about that. And it's, it's, it's a shame, really, because when we do that, we limit our understanding of what the Bible is, is truly telling us in a deeper way. And we've discovered that in so many ways over the years. For instance, when we talked about worship, or we talked about the various types of prayer that are clearly listed in the Bible, and we talked about what, what God really requires in specific things that, as you study the Word, you you see the validity of them. For instance, proskuneo, which is the main word for worship in the New Testament. What does that really mean? Most churches, you talk about worship, and that's, that's just when the fast songs are over and the slow ones come where you feel like somebody's being ministered to you. That's worship in most churches. At least that's for 50 years what it was in, in my upbringing and in being uh, trained in the in the holy city, Queen City of the Ozarks, Springfield, Missouri. I mean, you know, that's, that's what we understood. Praise was the fast songs. It's how you enter, because you enter his gates with thanksgiving and courts with praise. And then worship was always, okay, now let's lift our hands and let's sing, he touched me. And that's worship. But we kind of think that worship is anything we want it to be. But when you look at what the scriptures really say about the meaning of what worship really is, it changes the dynamic of how you read the Bible and the promises that are there. And, you know, we talk about, um, let's say you're having a conversation with somebody and uh, they have their own definitions of the words you're saying. You know, you could be having a conversation, but to them, 
what you're saying means totally different, a totally different thing than what they're associating. And um, it's, it's, it's kind of chaotic to think of, of, a, of a relationship like that. But the, the situation for us is that when it comes to the Word of God, and specifically when it comes to who we are, what God has done in us, it's very important for us to recognize what, what, what he's really saying. And so here we are, and I don't want to re-preach the message from Wednesday night because what I, what I need to tell you today is builds off of that, but it's a standalone type of a topic that I'm really excited about bringing. But the, the reality of it is that God gave to us the, the breath of his spirit, the breath of life. And um, when we accept Jesus as our Savior by the blood of Christ and by uh, accepting him as Lord, something happens in that deposit of his spirit, and we are born again. And from that point, we, we need to grow and develop our, our soul, our, our, the way we think about things, the way we process things, our emotions, our bodies. All of them should be devoted to that touch point of God's spirit within us that um, that is that is now to be manifesting what he ordained for us to be. And you think about that, okay? Let's just talk about all us Pentecostal purists. We're all born again in spirit, right? Well, what happens when you when you're filled with the spirit with speaking in other tongues? What happens there? Is it, is it two different spirits, or is it God's Spirit doing a different thing? You already have God's Spirit in you. Otherwise, how would you be born again? Uh, we like to talk about the second work of grace. That's a good theological term that you'll hear in Pentecostal seminaries. I don't know what seminaries that, that don't, uh, don't believe in the infilling of the Spirit. I guess they just have one work of grace. I don't know. But the point is, is that God gives us um, a, a touch, and his identity, his spirit within us is activated, and then it's up to us as to how we let that work. Do, do we begin to commune with God? Does that begin to grow? Does, does that capacity of what God said and what God breathed and how he knew us before we were born and, and what he intends to do for us. Is that just kind of, oh, whatever happens, happens? Or, or can we partner with God to see that identity and that reality grow? Of course, that's what he wants. And um, I've been doing a lot of, of study over these past number of days looking at a lot of scriptures that we know well that speak about the Spirit of God within us. And, and see, again, we don't want to lump all the Spirit verses together because if we do, we're going to miss out on what God's really saying, and that would be tragic. Um, but there are a lot of verses to, that talk about the Spirit within. There are a lot of verses that speak about that abiding spirit within that is different than when we commune in spirit under the anointing that comes on us. It's different. You see, only God could be dwelling within us and then come upon us in a new way. Uh, only God could be within us and come upon us and, and to move through us in, in a different dimension of his spirit. Only he could do that, but he does that. And um, when, we, when we start reading the Scripture for what they say with the light of that understanding, it unlocks a lot of things. And it unlocks a lot of, a lot of the power and the identity that God clearly says in His Word is there. Um, otherwise, you know, think about it. We just take a lot of things for granted being in church but specifically Pentecostal people. Um, 
if you're born again in spirit, you're alive. And um, how do you explain then this next work of the spirit that comes when you begin to speak in tongues? How do you explain that if it's all the same thing? You know, you just think about it. How, how can you explain that if you just lump it all together? It's all God's spirit, but it's a different way that he functions in us. And God is moving in a lot of ways uh, that, um, that are dynamic and powerful. And it, it seems to me, from what I'm sensing in, um, in, my own, in my own identity in God before him, for what I'm responsible to do, that God is wanting us to be awakened to a lot of the hit, the nuances of relationship with him that are clearly spoken in the word. I think that if, and it's not confusing either. Sometimes people hear that and they just shut down. They said, it's just too hard. I just want to love. It's just too hard. I just want to feel. Well, you're, you're kind of living a homeless existence then if you, if you say that. Because you're just waiting for the next dollop of something to hit you. Or for somebody to come by and give you a handout of the Spirit. Or to hear a new sermon that stirs you up. And uh, I, I don't know how John survived on the Isle of Patmos without a, a, uh, a smartphone or the Internet. I don't know how he got any fresh revelation from God. I, he, he just, I'm surprised he just didn't dry up when they tried to boil him alive. But somehow God moved in him. I don't know how Paul made it out in the school of Arabia uh, without uh, somebody to tell him what was God was saying. Somehow Jesus made it to him and was teaching him things. I don't know how that happened. Well, of course, I'm speaking facetiously. God is with each of you, and there is a wellspring of his spirit within all of us. And, um, you know, the end result, maybe we'll look at this. I, I, I hate to forecast anything. But maybe we'll look at the, the differentiation between what the Bible says about our mind and our body and our soul and our spirit on Wednesday night because it's very clearly spelled out. But, uh, you know, when, when we partner with that, with that spark of life within us that God gave, when it's, when it's born again, and then we allow our mind and our identity, our mind our emotions, and our physical body all form the core of what's known as the inner man, or really, truly, our heart. And um, that's, that's what we're going into eternity with, because our spirit has gone back to God. And um, that's, that's what we're going to, we're going to give an answer for what it is that God ordained for us to be, as to whether we have whether we really were partnering with that. And um, I, I, believe that, I believe that that is going to be a wonderful day, um, and uh, we'll know as we're known, but um, that's, that's really a lot of what God's speaking to us in this hour. But on Wednesday night, we looked at some of the verses that spoke about the Spirit within. Two of them are right at the top, and um, it, it, we, we talked about John the Baptist and our Lord Jesus, and how that both of them, for instance, in Luke 1, 80, uh, the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, this is John the Baptist, and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel, and then the Lord Jesus, Luke 2, 40, the child grew and waxed strong in spirit filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And we talked about how that word to be waxed strong is really the, the Greek word that speaks of the power of the throne of God, kratos. This is a derivative of kratos. And, and really, John the Baptist was commissioned by the power of the throne in that deposit of spirit. And he then began to manifest from the time he was a little boy being the one that prepared the way of the Lord, who was in the dry places, the voice of one crying, the one that would be the, the, the friend of the bridegroom. That was because this, the, the power of God's throne commissioned his spirit 
to fulfill that and to be that. And then, of course, Jesus, the actually same words, he came to do the will of the Father. He came to do the purpose of God. And it says that that power of the throne was upon his spirit, and he was filled with wisdom. Wisdom takes the light into the darkness. That's what it is in the Old Testament. It's expanding the kingdom of light into the places where darkness has been. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And so here you have an indication in both of those babies, both of those miraculous young men, that the spirit that was in them was influenced mighty, mightily by the, 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 the dictates, the intentions, and the power of the throne of God. Now, that's very clearly there. And you can, you can see it. And I would just say over all of us, what is God's spirit that he put in you when you first came out of your mother's womb? What did God's spirit, when he knew you when you were there, when he wrote your name on his hand, when he foreordained, when he predestined you, what, what is that spirit within you? What is that that God has ordained for you to be, to partner with him? What is that spirit that, that um, is, is of him? What, what is it? It's, it's a predilection. See, the same power from the throne was upon the spirit of Jesus and the spirit of John. They both did different things, but they were in perfect harmony with each other. They both were aligned with the power of the throne and the dictate of what the Father wanted. And, and, but it, was, it came upon the spirit that was within them. Now, where we're going this morning is that one other time in the New Testament, this differentiation of the power of God's throne coming upon your individual spirit is mentioned. And it's found there in Ephesians chapter 3. And it's Paul's basic, you should read this third chapter. We're not going to, I thought about doing it this morning, but it's 21 verses and we have a lot to talk about. But it's basically Paul over and over again talking about the dispensation of grace that's given to him to reach into the Gentile church. He says it over and over again, you know, in verse 2, he says it in, Verse 8, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. Um, verse 7, the gift of the grace of God giving, given unto me to be a minister in this way. And then he talks about the mysteries of God being revealed in the, in, in the, pre, in the presence of the principalities and powers in heavenly places. And, and he goes through this. It's a wonderful premise of the grace of God for us as largely as the Gentile church here in this house. And, and I really know that God has given us a very similar commission as saints. God has called us to go into the nations, and primarily our mission has been to the Gentile church. That, you know, the Bible says that the tabernacle of David, the Bible clearly says this, is being raised among the Gentile church. That is our mission. That is the mission of the saints. And, you know, we bless the other things that God is doing, but, you know, uh, if you're driving down the road, you better not be paying attention to what all the other cars are doing. You, be, you know, where, where they're going, where, where that road goes. You better keep your eye on where you're called to go, or you'll end up in a ditch. And we don't want that, especially on a Sunday. <laughs> okay, so let's read this verse that's found Ephesians 3, 16 through 21 there on your sheet, uh, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened, there's that derivative of Kratos, with might by his spirit in the inner man, by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. This is an interesting passage. I mean, this again, this entire chapter is, is amazing. But um, particularly, Paul focuses on the power that's in us through God. And that, that according to the riches of his glory, we would have this di di direct power of his throne. That in our, this, by his spirit in the inner man, we might actually function. Because dunamis is function. Might is their dunamis. It is function. It is, it is something becoming active like an engine that is creating power through its function. This is, this is what this is. And that's really what we're called to do. There is an empowerment from the throne to be a saint. There is an empowerment from the throne to function according to our partnership with Christ and to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How? Through the power that works in us. That's, that's a strange thing. Oh, God, send your power to me. Let your power come. Walk into the room. No, that power is in you. Do you see that? And it's because of the dispensation from his throne. Now, I believe that when we really open ourselves, that identity that he's given us, that spark of him within us, when we begin to partner with his throne in that way, when we recognize that's what's going on, there's no limit to how the magnificence of God can be manifested. And it's, it's not by our mind, it's not by our emotions, it's not by our, our physical body, whatever we do. It's through those things allowing his spirit within that's been born again by the blood of Jesus, activated by the blood of Jesus. When that comes alive, then we begin to function. We begin, you know, there's, there's, uh, there are other verses that speak to this to where you, through the power that's within you, the Spirit of God within you, you then begin to minister as a, as, a, as a child, and then you begin to minister in sonship, and you begin to minister in as an heir, and then as a joint heir, and you, you begin to move in that way because really it's you coming. It's God's seed within you. It's God's seed, His Spirit, that seed of him within you that he gave life to through that work of Christ, that perfect uh, work of Christ at the cross and the resurrection. Um, you know, it's, and, and there it says, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body by that same spirit. Um, that's, that's an amazing thing. I mean, there's so much to this. There's, it's so much in the Word. And I pray that God will help us to, to, um, to discover it in its, its broader sense. But the key things to, to begin this message for me and for us is to see that the divine author, the Holy Spirit of God through Christ Jesus, Jesus, the living Word, shows us the friend of the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the saints who will move in a Christ-like way, all being specifically identified as having had the power of the throne of God, the dictate of the throne of God, move within that spirit within. And that's, that's, how, that's how we're functioning, which is why... When we all came alive, when God imparted to us this identity of sonship and saints, the first thing we began to talk about or feel was being drawn to the throne, drawn to our Father. Why is that? Because His, His throne is what empowered us. Now you say, doesn't God's throne dictate everything? 
Well, of course it does. And there are other types of, of power of, that, of God that are listed in the Scripture. There is that power, the iscus power, that, that moves on a continental basis. There's, there's the exousia, that authority of God. That's the type of power. There's the dunamis that we re mentioned earlier, which is function. There's the megas, which we're going to talk about in a minute, which is you representing God and spreading. Those are all very clearly powers of God in the New Testament. And God does commission people to do different things. Um, but, but to see that this identity of, of being saints is, is put together in a very singular way with what our Lord did and what John the Baptist did. This is an incredible thing, and, and I embrace it and thank God for it. So I wanted us to look at um, something that's mentioned here that we often just kind of take passes at. And in, in, in what we've said about it has been good, I guess. But I wanted us to look in context here with what we read in verse 18, that because of this impartation of the power of his throne, we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Um, what, is, what does that mean? Um, well, I think, I think as we look at it, it's going to be pretty clear. Because when you are a saint, you're commissioned by God to represent him, um, period. And he will give you directives and missions according to his mysteries. And in order to function in that way, I see this breadth and length and depth and height as kind of a kind of a uh, a compass that keeps us in line in conjunction with our mission. And we'll see why here when we look at these definitions. And I say that breadth and length and depth and height really means this. Know your specific mission. Do not vary from exact point, being led by the mysteries of God is revealed from the plan of the Almighty from heaven. Breadth is platos, and this this is a word that is uh, is not used in very good ways in the New Testament, um, uh, and it's not used very often either. If you look at this word, you'll see, but platos is used in Revelation 20, verse 9, to describe Satan after his millennial imprisonment, uh, who went to the breadth of the earth, breadth is this word, to gather together forces to surround the camp of the saints. And the root of this word, platus, is used in Matthew 7, verse 13, to define the wide gate that many follow that lead to destruction. Now, why is this put right at the beginning of this breadth and length and depth and height? Because the other three are really powerful spiritual principles. And this one is kind of like a warning. And it kind of like shows where God's going to place you. You know, grace moves where, where great grace is. It, it moves in the midst of sin. Where sin abounds, Grace much more abounds. And light goes into darkness, and, and there are some verses that say light comes out from the darkness. And you have to realize that when God is going to move through you as a group of the saints, that chances are he's going to take you into places that are really wicked, uh, places that are filled with a lot of other ideas and a lot of other opinions and a lot of, uh, a lot of other uh, spiritual practices. And you, the first thing to know when you're functioning as a saint is that that's going to be, and that you're different than that. Uh, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is really following Christ. 
We know that from what Jesus said. And there'll be many who'll say, Oh, Lord, Lord, uh, did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not do good? Did we not do these things? And Jesus said, depart from me. You're a worker of iniquity. I never really knew you. And that's a terrible thing. But we need to recognize that when God gives a person a mission, when God gives the saints an identity, we, we can't intermarry with the Moabites and all the otherites around us. We've got to recognize the placement of the wide path so that we can find the narrow road. And if you think that the wide path is acceptable, or if you're ignorant to what really it is, you'll probably miss the message of the saints. And so um, I, I just see that it's very interesting that this word this breadth word that is not used positively in the New Testament. I mean, I just gave you two of them. Uh, it's, it's not a really good word. Why that would be at the very beginning of the inheritance of the saints is pretty clear to me. I mean, you, you, gotta, you know, when you first learn to drive, doesn't the person who's teaching you say, okay, now don't do this. Don't do that. Watch out for this. You know, you better stop here. You better, you better not do. You, you learn more things that you're not supposed to do than things that you really are supposed to do. Isn't that true? At least that's the way. I've forgotten a lot of those. But, you know, it, at least that's the way you learn how to drive. Um, and um, it, it keeps you safe. And for me, it's like... You know, you learn out, you learn, uh, it, it's why you, so often you learn from mistakes. You learn more from recognizing mistakes, if you allow yourself, than you would just by reading something in a book or hearing somebody tell you. Um, it's not how many times you fall, but how you get up from that. And you learn, you learn very clearly. And so, to know, first of all, that the saints are going to be sent with a message from God that's going to be a competing message, and it's probably going to be a narrow message. Of course, it's going to be a narrow message in the midst of this wideness. Um, and there's some kind of a poetic, in understanding this, there's some kind of a poetic, prophetic prophetic in the fact that when Satan gets sprung from the... Um, from his prison after a thousand years, and he's got one thing in his mind to go and surround the camp of the saints, that uh, the, what he recruits from is the broad places, the, the wideness, this word. Because there's always going to be people who want the wide. There's always going to be people who just want to go along and get whatever's going. You know, where's everybody else going? What is everybody else doing? Let's just follow like a big bunch of sheep. But... Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and another they won't follow. And, and he speaks about the narrow way. He speaks about the gate. And, and we, we, need to, we need to be familiar with the fact that there is a wide road. And but to know our place in the midst of that wide road and not be confused and not barter away our unique and specific identity from the throne is a key to victory. And if you don't understand that, you probably won't make it. It's kind of like the parable of the soils when Jesus was talking about the sower that went forth and um, the seed just falls on a path where everybody's walking. And there's no root in that path where everybody else is walking. And it, it won't find a depth. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But we, we need to recognize the unique identity of the inheritance of the saints, because that's that's uh, that's what what we're talking about here. Um, uh, the first one is is breadth, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, and comprehending that and remembering that is very important. What's the next one? Length. Now, this is interesting because this is Mikos, and it's directly from Megas. If, if you're going to recognize your unique placement 
in the pathway of the world, then you've got to know where God wants you to be doing greater works. Because this word is what was used when Jesus said, greater works will you do than these because I go to my Father. And what he's saying is, I'm going to my Father. I'm not going to be everywhere. I, I'm not going to be in Dallas, Texas. I'm not going to be in Tucson. I'm not going to be in, in uh, wherever it is you, you may live. I'll be there in spirit, but you're going to represent me there, and you're going to do greater works. Megas, that always speaks about a touch point where you begin and you, you personify a thing, you represent a thing, and it spreads. And that's what's next. Length. That's the limit of what you're called to do. It's so important that we learn the limit of what we're called to do and what we're called to, to be. You know, the Bible has so many examples of people where they had a certain limit of what they're supposed to do, and there were others around them trying to edge them on to do more. Remember when David was fleeing the city and one of his chief lieutenants said, let me go up and cut the head off of that guy that's saying things. And David said, no, leave him alone. Jesus' disciples said, Lord, will you call down thunder and destroy, lightning and destroy these people? And Jesus said, no, leave them alone. Um, you know, the one instance where the sons of Zariah, one of them, Asahel, went running after Abner, and he should have used better sense. He may have been faster than Abner, but Abner was a slick general, and he made short work of, of that son of Zariah. And Joab, the older brother, never never forgave that, even though it wasn't Abner's fault. You know, it's, it's important that you know what your mission is. Remember the one time when the young prophet was sent to give a word to the king, and, and God told him, you go right there, you do that mission, and you come back. Don't you say or do anything to anybody else. Well, the prophet went. There was a miracle. You know, you, you had the, 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 the withered arm of the king come back to life, and that young prophet was going. This old prophet dude who's well-known in the land said, come and have dinner with me. We're so happy with what you've done. And, and the guy said, no, you know, God gave me this mission and told me just to do this. Oh, but you're disrespecting me. And so the young guy went and had his last meal because when he left that place, a bear came and killed him. He said, how could God let that happen? God is love. Well, it, the point is you do your work, you do what God says to do, and you, you know, you just stick to the plan. Just stick to the plan. And so that's knowing, knowing that the work of the saints is going to be done in a wide place where there are lots of other opinions, and the next thing is you get your assignment and you know to the best of your ability what it is and you stick to it because doing otherwise isn't going to bode well for you. What's the next one? The depth. Now, we know this from bathos, and um, this always represents the mysteries of God or things that are in his depths that, that he is choosing for you to discover with him through your obedience. Some of the places where this, this verse is used, I'm, I'm not listing all of them, but Romans 11, 33, the, the knowledge of God. Oh, the depth, there's that word, of the riches both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. 1 Corinthians 2, 8 through 10, speaking of the deep things of God and where the Spirit searches, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is, as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep, there's that word, things of God. Now, we understand that this, 
this depth, this bathos, where you throw your net over the other side of the boat and pull out of the depths the things that God wants. This is partnering with God according to how he wants to reveal things to you, how he wants to show things to you, how he wants to bring about and bring alive uh, a new understanding, a new insight. And um, it's the Spirit that searches this. It's the Spirit that guides us into all truth. And sadly, in this bathos, truth is not truth. You've got to be guided by the Spirit because you, you have a select, a select measure of being trained by God and it's in accordance with your mission. Look at what um, Jesus spoke to the church at Theatira in uh, Revelation 2, 23 through 26. This is Jesus who never gets mad and who never, who never judges anybody. He's just all love. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know now, you can hear Samuel Jackson saying this. <laughs> and all the churches shall know that I, uh, I he has such a, uh, if I had a voice like that, man, I could preach, couldn't I, Sarah? It would just be illuminating. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you, I say, and unto the rest of Theatira, as many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the and and which have not known the depths pathos of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you already have hold fast till I come. He that overcometh and keeps my works unto the end, unto him will I give power unto the nations. I don't want to know the depths of Satan. I don't want to know the depths of the doctrines of devils. I don't want, no matter how much they may promise you, I don't want to know that. I, I, don't, I don't even want to, I don't, I don't have any desire to even be indoctrinated with some of these things. Uh, and here the Lord says, if you, if you have... Um, if you remain true and you have not known the depths of Satan, I, I, it's a warning. It's, it's a warning. So making sure that you're following the Spirit in knowing the depths of what God wants to reveal, of the knowledge of Him and the deep things of God, this, this is very important in walking as a saint. And the last one, is height. This is hypsos. It and it and it continually means the highest the highest place, um, which is the heavens. To me, it's it's our knowing that we're representing as pillars in the temple of our God what is above. Uh, it is that we are the plumb line of righteousness is tethered to the places in the heavens. And that's our goal. It's not tethered to whatever this movement over here is saying. It's not tethered to what the latest shenanigans that our people are marching in the streets about are. We're tethered in heaven. And, and that is our plumb line of righteousness. Um, we, uh, we're warned to, um, to be very careful uh, with this. Second uh, Corinthians ten five, we're warned to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into capti captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Um, this is this is really um, this is really an important thing, which is why it's so important for us to base everything we are on his word, but on commune with God and to be more heavenly minded than we are earthly minded. Um, because, listen, especially in our world, our nation today, there are so many 
passionate beliefs that are just not godly. There are so many things that people are following after here and there. Truly, the wide road is getting wider. If it maybe it's not getting wider, it's getting fuller. And um, we, need to, we need to know that we're tethered in, in heaven. Um, I think it's interesting that uh, when you see this word again in Revelation 21, 16, when it's talking about the bride of Christ or the new Jerusalem, it uses three of these words. It uses the length, the breadth, and the height of it are all equal. And that means being not only equal but in agreement. And what, what does that mean? What, what's missing there? It, what's missing there is <clears throat> the, uh, the depth, the bathos. And why is that? Because when the new Jerusalem, when the bride of Christ, when that victory is won, it in itself is a fulfillment of whatever mystery it represented. So it's coming down complete. It's coming down as a fulfillment. So at that point, you've already spoken about the fact that this is the way. You've spoken about this is the assignment. You've spoken about this is the ongoing measure of what God wants from heaven to earth. And um, I, I just think that's interesting. But for us as saints, how are we doing on this? Do we recognize that God's throne, that God the Father, His heart, has put us on this mission for the nations has put us, this is right in the middle of the saints, that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what breadth, length, depth, and height. And to do that in the agape of Christ, which passes knowledge, being filled with the fullness of God. And I guess if you're looking for more, the fullness of God has it. And, and then it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. In us. What is that power? It's this identity and partnership with God. That's what it is. And it's not about what we think. It's not about us asking in a certain way. It's about that partnership. And when we're partnering with God, nothing can hold us back. Nothing can keep us from moving in Him. Uh, with, uh, nothing can keep us from, from, as we're moving with Him, from, from doing what He wants. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that um, there's a battle for, for what we've talked about this morning. Um, uh, Romans 8.39, or there in the middle of page 2 there, nor height, nor depth, nor any other formation or creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that mean? Why is it height and depth? Why, why, is, it, why is that opposing the love of God? Because the enemy will say, you don't need God. You, you can do, I can be that voice for you. And I've got understandings and depths that are independent of God. When those two things come together and you buy into that, that, that is going to stand against the love of God. Nor any other formation, nor any other ideal or mindset. You know, those things will try to separate you from the love of God, from the agape of God. But we, we won't be separated. Why? Because instead of just height and depth alone, we're moving in the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and the love of God. And when you've got all of those things, it's great. See, if you're just looking at height and depth, you're not looking at warnings. You're, you're not looking at the wide path. You know, you, you think any path will lead you to God. And if you're just saying height and depth, well, anything can be that. You don't have a specific mission. You don't, you don't, you could just get anything. And that idea will keep you from the love of God, according to what this says in Romans 8, 39. 
So when we go out as saints operating on behalf of the directive from the throne of God, which has empowered us, and on behalf of his agape, we, all saints, must comprehend. All saints must comprehend the breadth, the length, the depth, and height. And again, what that means is know that you are on a specified mission and there are a lot of other pathways. There's a lot of other appeal. There's a lot of other opinion. There's a lot of other things, and that all leads to destruction. You've got to recognize that first. Otherwise, you'll just be, uh, you know, you'll be like Pinocchio. You'll be going to the island where you, you can do whatever you want. And sadly, that island will end up in hell. You'll be able to do a lot of things down there, and it won't bring any fulfillment. But we have a mission. We have a specific assignment. We have, we have the continual revelation of the depth of his heart, and we have the continual measure of alignment with what his throne says and what's going on in heaven in that temple, the height there. And when you've got all those things, the saints need to comprehend that. And uh, that will keep us in, in harmony with the love of God. Uh, I, I think, and then when that's happening, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into anyone's heart. Those things through the power within that God's going to do. I just think this is an incredible thing. Unto him then be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Well, I think what Paul's saying here is this pattern is going to be what we're going to be echoing throughout eternity, where we're saying when we stand before the throne, you know, there's a lot of power up here. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of anointing up here, but we bow down and we lay ourselves before you. We're not focusing on any of that. We're focusing on you. And that's where iniquity was found in the enemy. He started focusing every other way, and he's saying, hey, what about me? And he started to recruit rebellion against God. The enemy always opens with that, an, an alternative way, a different way. But there's one way. And we, we have to understand that differentiation. And if you don't understand that, you probably won't make it as a saint. You'll continually be confused. Uh, you'll, you'll be trying to work on, on your Chevy with an ownership manual from a 63 Oldsmobile. Well, it's, it's, it's a car. All, all cars are cars. No, this is who you are. And this is what God wants. And um, what is that mission God's given you? What is the greater works you're supposed to be doing? And what is God continually revealing? I, I don't think we lack for any revelation. If anything, people are saying, you know, I've got to keep studying to show myself approved. I've got to keep up. I don't need some other bathos. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, this, is, this is the depth of the knowledge of God that God's bringing to us that we need in order to accomplish the mission. And so we've got to, we've got to study to show ourselves approved as a workman in that. And, of course, we've got to stay praying. We've got to stay in alignment with the throne. All saints need to comprehend that. If you don't, it's, it, it, you're, you're going to fall short of the glory of God. And, um, you know, I remember... And I'm, I'm really going to end now. I'm just starting to percolate here, Ken. Um, remember the, the story about the time right before Samuel basically took over as the main voice of God in the land? And um, Eli fell over. No, Eli hadn't fallen off and died yet. But his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they, they said, you know what? Uh, we're really... We're really getting it handed to us over here. Let's bring the ark out. And they decided that they were just going to do what they wanted to do. And if they brought the ark out, they would, they would win. And that didn't work. And the, 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 the enemy took the ark and 
Eli heard about it, and he fell off his bench and broke his neck and died. And then um, his grandson was born, and they named him Ichabod because the glory departed. How does the glory depart? How does the partnership with God, which is what the glory is, the assignment from God and the partnership with God, how does that depart? It's by not fulfilling what your mission is and doing what you want. That's how Ichabod came. And But the nice thing about it, if there is a nice thing, is that Samuel rose. And, you know, we are we really as teachers, seers, prophets, we are in some ways fulfilling part of the mantle of Samuel because he is uh, he's a son of grace. He's a son of Hannah. He he is he is anointing those that will represent God. Yes, it was not really what what God fully wanted, but it's a new day and it's it's a different way that God can um, can move in the land. And we want to do things God's way. So we've got to understand that we're commissioned from the throne in our spirit and that we've got to embrace this wonderful saint's provision, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. All the saints must comprehend that. And, and as we do that, we will be able to more fully know the agape of Christ which passes knowledge, and that the fullness of God will fill us. You can't, honestly, and I'm ending with this, you, you can't have verse 19 unless you really are rooted in verse 18. You can try, but without verse 18, pretty soon you're going to abandon course in verse 19. It's kind of like lover and warrior. It's kind of like what Monica said in Sunday school today. You, you can't just sit in that fullness of God and not expect the pathway that God has for you. And in order to stay on the pathway and stay on course, the saints have to comprehend the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And really that, in a positive way, that's a wonderful thing. Go it, go it backward. We're aligned with heaven. That's such a blessing. God has continued to show us the depth of who he is and the depths of his mystery. And through that, he's showing us our specific, our specified assignment. I don't want to do what somebody else is doing. I want to do what God has asked me to do. And through that, then, I will be wise in the midst of this wide pathway that so many others are following that's going to lead them into destruction. And so we comprehend this with all saints. And it's, it's a wonderful passage. So your assignment is to read this third chapter. Uh, it's not very long. And look at what Paul is saying. Note how many times he speaks about the grace of God that's aligning him to do this mission and um, I, I just think this is, I know this is a word from God for us. Uh, and it's how, it's how we see the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, but to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by this ecclesia the manifold wisdom of God. That's where we are, and that's, that's the mission of the saints, and that's the mission for the nations, but all the saints have to comprehend this breadth and height and depth and, 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 uh, and that, that wonderful measure of the length of what we are called to be. Heavenly Father, I try my best to bring this out today. It really is a deeper message, and um, I know it's not for the faint of heart, but I truly do declare over our saints' family throughout the world from this humble house, I declare the grace of God, the work of the saints, 
the mission from our Father that is representing his mysteries throughout the world. And let us as saints take that next step forward so that we will not miss what you've called us to be and that we will be found faithful in partnering with our Lord Jesus Christ. Awaken the spirit within us. Awaken that breath from you that, um, that gives us life but fulfills an eternal identity. Let us tap into the depths of that place. For, for from that point of depth, we cry unto the depth of God and in, in the heavens. And let us discover that uh, through the guidance of your spirit. Bless your people. Lead us in these pathways. And we love you and we thank you for we ask it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for giving me the privilege of bringing this big slab of meat and dumping it on your plate. Um, may God bless all of you and may he fulfill every need and every longing of your heart. And God bless you. We'll see you this afternoon.